Welcome back to the Double Double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. I am your host, Casey Everett, alongside my co-host, Cooper Lewis. How are you doing today, Coop? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, man? I'm doing good. And then we're here with a special guest right on the dot. Noah, how are you doing today? <laughs> pretty good. A little cold, but I'm, I'm doing all right. <laughs> yeah, the snow is coming down, man. Okay, so we're going to get started. We're going to start with some basketball talk today. Recently, Blake Griffin just signed with the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets. So I kind of want to get your guys' like opinion on, do you think Blake Griffin's actually going to make an impact on the Brooklyn Nets? Cooper, I'm going to start with you. See, I think he's going to be like that, that like silent impact. He's not going to make like an instant one or anything, or their team isn't going to drastically change from him being on there. But it is like a definitely like a help of him being on there. It, it like, and I think you said it last week. No, like, um, like he, he can almost be like a Dennis Rodman kind of type player on the Nets. And I think that's what he's going to do. He's just going to provide a lot more depth for that like whole bench, too. And, and we're, we're, like we're going to talk about it and everything, but he, I, to me, I feel like he doesn't even need to play at his like old all star level. He just needs to play pretty consistent. He just needs to not be like trash, basically. Yeah. And, and that's what they, that's what they got him for. They just needed him for some depth. Maybe uh, take a little ease off some other players, but ultimately, I think it's just I think this just rounds them out like even more as like a really good team. Yeah, bringing a player like Blake Griffin. I mean, he has he we know him as being a superstar player like when he was in his prime. Yeah, but now he's kind of getting older in age, where he's at a point in his career where he might be ring chasing a little bit, and I mm-hmm. think that's totally fine. The Brooklyn Nets are in a position to definitely win a championship this year. And I think having Blake Griffin on their team will only add depth, like you said. And it will also bring a presence of, like, maybe now that I'm on a good team, I'm going to actually try. So if you get anything between – like I mean, he, right now he's averaging 12, 5, and 5. That's not Blake Griffin numbers whatsoever. You could tell he didn't want to play for the Pistons anymore. So it's just like I want to leave. And he all power to him. He never wanted to get traded to the Pistons anyway. Mm-hmm. They gave him that huge contract on the Clippers – and then they traded him right away. So it was kind of <laughs> like, why am I here? We're not going to make the playoffs anytime soon. And then the Pistons were just like, we're going in a rebuild. <laughs> so I think it was a good opportunity for the Brooklyn Nets to snap up on him. And maybe he could bring an impact to that Brooklyn Nets team. Yeah, like you said, I mean, 12-5-5 and so far this season. But like again, like you said again, it's not really a team he really wanted to play for at this point. I mean, he had one of his highest points per season. Uh, on this team a couple of years ago at 24 and a half but I mean since then it's just you know declined rapidly and I think the big thing for him coming into this Brooklyn Nets team is he's going to realize he doesn't really have to score as much I mean he's got three guys that that when they're all healthy are going to be doing a bulk of the scoring load so I mean all that he's really going to have to work on probably is his rebounding and I guess that's just going to increase naturally playing for a team that he kind of wants to play for and wants to win something with. So, yeah, I think he was a great addition. It's going to be interesting to see how he kind of fits in these first couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And the cool thing, too, is that Blake Griffin is now back with DeAndre Jordan, which I think that's really cool because they used to be a dynamic duo with alongside Chris Paul, of course, on the Clippers, Lob City era, which was super fun to watch. I don't know if they're super Lob City anymore because they're getting older in age, but it should be fun to see them kind of – play together again. They're probably both going to start at the four and the five again. So it should be fun. But the next thing I want to talk about is the Nets. Does this make them a lock for the finals? Coop, I'm going to start with you. I mean, at this point, like if they aren't like going deep into the playoffs and they aren't a finals, like I think everyone can see like this trade, like it, it's, it, 
it's just expected of them to get to the playoffs, let alone like like and get to the finals as well. I think I think this does help them. I think this again, like like I was saying, this just takes some uh takes some pressure off some other guys. It also takes pressure off uh Blake Griffin as well. Like you were saying, like Pistons kind of went into a rebuild. Maybe they brought him in to like be that mentor figure. He's going here and like he can like almost like relax a little bit. And maybe that'll make him play a lot better. There's not much pressure on him to like kind of mentor the younger guys and like take hold of this whole franchise. Um, but now he can go over there and he's like, you know what? I'm just providing backup. I'm just like trying to help out these guys. And yeah, like I like he like I said, I, I think it's just rounding out that entire team. And it just it provides a lot more depth through that with that team that like in my personal opinion, I didn't think they had. But with Blake Griffin now, yeah, I, I mean, in my opinion, maybe they're not a lock for the finals, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if they got all the way there, though. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for them to show what they actually have and what's left in the tank for these guys. I mean, Kevin Durant coming coming off an injury, James Harden getting traded there, Blake Griffin coming. Like, they have a lot of pieces that are amazing pieces. But if they can gel together, that's going to be a scary team. And if they don't make the finals, I'm going to be very disappointed. I mean, if you think about it, having four, maybe even DeAndre Jordan made an all-star team back when he was in the, on the Clippers. That's five all-stars that they have on that team right now. I mean, they're not all all-stars right now, but three of them were all-stars. And then you have Blake Griffin that could potentially be Blake Griffin again. I don't know if he will. And DeAndre Jordan is always going to give you good rebounds, good uh, defensive numbers. But this team, if they don't make the finals, I think it's just terrible in my opinion, I just think it's so like low of expectations for them not to make the finals. Like they have to make the finals at this point. There's no other team that I can see that has the same firepower as the Brooklyn Nets right now. So I just think it would be just a letdown if they didn't make the finals. Absolutely. And Blake Griffin coming in at this half point, this halfway point in this season. I mean, it's going to be absolutely fantastic for them rest wise. I mean, this second half is just going to, they're going to be able to maybe experiment a little bit with sitting some of their big name players like like Harden or Irving, uh, kind of giving them a, a game off here and there just to kind of prepare them for that playoff run. I mean, obviously they're sitting in second place in their conference, doing pretty good. Only two teams you could really see giving them an issue, of course, are the ones above and below them in the 76ers and the Bucks. But I mean, it, seeing them, if they do end up going to a series with that Nets team, they're going to have to have an absolutely fantastic series. And in the end, it's probably still going to end up going to seven if they do, you know. So I mean, I just I just see this going perfectly for them. They've got they've got all these players that they can interchange now, kind of have a lax second half of the season, and then go into the playoffs with hopefully fully helpful, fully healthy stars. And I mean, they're just going to absolutely obliterate any of those teams if it comes down to that. The only thing that's scary for me with this Brooklyn Nets team is obviously their defense. I mean, they have no star defenders on their team. If you look at every team right now. That like the Bucks have Giannis, who's a star defender. They have Drew Holiday, star defender. Chris Middleton's a pretty good defender. Ben Simmons is a good defender on the 76ers. I mean, Joel Embiid's a pretty good defender. I mean, that's the thing that's scary for the Brooklyn Nets. If you go to a game seven with them, that game is going to be like 150 to 147. Like, it's going to be like a huge scoring game. But that's the only thing that's kind of scaring me about the Brooklyn Nets right now is just their defense, whether they can like be a whole defense i mean they're gonna be i don't even see they're probably gonna be switching all the time like between Harden, kd and uh Kyrie. like they're gonna be interchanging on screens and everything but still their defense is still not as great 
as I would have hoped for. But the next thing I want to talk about, now that the Nets are kind of in this position where we're the best team in the Eastern Conference, I don't think there's anybody that can say that they're not, on paper at least. Do you think they're going to go out and make another move to kind of bolster their offense or defense? What do you think they're going to do, Coop? I honestly think they will at this point. Like you, you see this team, and they got like they traded a lot for Harden and everything. It is very, like, well known that they want they need a championship right now. They if they're not settling for anything less than the finals, let alone like a finals win. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went and, uh, went out and got like a. To, in my opinion, I think they just need just that star defender. It's just like there's and it's no shame in it either. It's like you you've seen these power teams just like form and everything. The Nets, they're ready for it. And if they can trade a bunch and everything and keep these guys maybe for next year, they can make a run at this two times. And yeah, like it like they they've almost put themselves in a bad situation because they're just loading with all this all-star talent. What if they don't make it? Like it's who who's to blame at that point? Is it the chemistry? Is it the coaching? Is it just maybe you try to look a bit too hard like like maybe you didn't like go that hard on like defense with it all. And it is a very like defensive conference that they're in. And uh, like in my opinion, but yeah, like I, I think, I think they, they won't just do it. They like, they should do it. Like it's almost, it has to be on their mind at some point that their defense is lacking. And we talked about it when Harding got traded over there. We talked about the lack of defense on that team and it, it like if they if they don't get another player that kind of helps them on defense, it's gonna really they're gonna struggle in the playoffs and it's really gonna show. Yeah, I think well, Lamarcus Aldridge just got announced. Like it wasn't announced, but the Spurs are trying to trade him. So Lamarcus Aldridge is on the market. Drummond is on the market. Those are two other big men that they could possibly bring in. They're trying not to get a buyout with Lamarcus Aldridge, but it looks like Lamarcus Aldridge is not staying on the Spurs any longer. So I mean. If they do bring in LaMarcus Aldridge, I mean, he's getting he's pretty old now. Like, don't get me wrong. But he's still putting up pretty good numbers, and he's okay defensively. But if they bring in a guy like Drummond, it's it's over. Like, there's no chance that anybody beats that team, in my opinion. That's just my humble opinion. But having a team with Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Andre Drummond, and then if you bring in LaMarcus Aldridge, they still have Joe Harris. Like, this team is stacked just by itself right now it's stacked just imagine adding like an Andre Drummond to that team that would be ridiculous so I think they will make another like some couple moves here and there maybe not huge moves just like some bench pieces some depth maybe a defensive guy that just like plays defense on their best guard or um but that's the only thing I see that they might do I don't see them going huge because they don't really have that much left I mean, they're not going to trade Joe Harris. Joe Harris is an amazing three-point shooter for them. I mean, they don't really need more offense, but he still brings that shooting stroke off the bench. I mean, he's been starting too, but getting on the bench, and he's going to probably be on the bench now because of Blake Griffin. But they they don't really need all that much. They just need that one defensive guy. So, no, what do you think? Do you think they'll make any moves? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Casey. I think they're just going to go into go into searching for a new defensive player, I think, maybe digging around in some other teams to try to find one of those guys that – maybe comes off the bench, but is absolutely fantastic on the defensive end. I think they, they've shown, they've made enough big moves so far with the addition of James Harden and now Blake Griffin. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. It'd be, it'd be kind of, it'd sound kind of staged if they ended up bringing on another big name, you know? So, I mean, and then the, the problem does come, I think, when we, when we reach the playoffs. I mean, 
if they if they don't make a move, maybe uh, maybe work on their defense for the second half of the season more. Kind of kind of capitalize on that and make sure the players kind of mold together and work on that as a team. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to come down to that playoffs and whether those guys are going to be able to mesh um, all those big personalities. Uh, so I think they're definitely going to need to bring at least a, a decent solid defender in there just to kind of keep that team grounded maybe on the defensive end especially and just kind of, you know, watch out for that and kind of keep everything in check. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the only thing they really need at this point. But that's going to wrap up this first segment, well, first 15-minute segment of the Double Double. We'll be right back after this break. All right, welcome back to the Double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. We just got done talking about Blake Griffin in the powerhouse the Brooklyn Nets are, and that's going to lead us into our next segment. We're going to have like a midseason playoff prediction. Well, kind of prediction. We're not like getting all the playoff teams involved <laughs> because that would just take way too long. But we're going to talk about the finals first and probably uh, most likely, yeah, the finals. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we're going to talk <laughs> about the finals. Um, Coop, who do you see making the finals this year? All right, dude. Like, so I like mixing the pot. All right. Like, I, I, uh, I'm not as in depth into basketball or baseball as I am into football. So I like to stir the pot a little bit, have that kind of outsider, uh, view. Honestly, man, I, I think the Jazz are going to keep it up. I think that, uh, I know I've been talking to a lot of people. I talked to you and I talked to a few of my friends. And I just like, they're like, you know what? I think it's like a false, like, kind of win streak right now. Like, they're going to slow down. They're going to lose steam at some point. But in my opinion, like, that team is just really, really good right now. Like, they've played very well this whole season, and I feel like they are playing like they have something to prove, which they do with that last season. They lost uh, to a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets, in, like, in the playoffs. And I just think that they were way too worried about the next game. That like, And it was the same problem with the Clippers, where it's like, all right, let's just get past the Nuggets, we'll, or just on to the next, like, uh, team and everything, but this year I think they're taking every opponent as if like it was the Nuggets or if it is the finals. Like they just they're going they're going for broke right now. They're they're playing and I honestly like I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got like another player to like before the, the trade deadline hits and everything, uh just for the second half of the season. Just because that team is in a win now state, and it, we keep talking about it with like the Nets um, and some other teams right now, but they 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 are primed and ready for like some playoff victories and for a finals appearance. Um, but yeah, that like that's my uh, kind of stirring the pot little judgment right there. Just I I think that no team really has like a you don't have a false like winning streak unless you are good unless you are like that team and i think they are right now okay so you have the jazz in the west so who do you have as the other team in the east playing against the jazz i mean if it's not the nets like i think i think everyone's disappointed like i i could see the 76ers going up against them and like i feel like that's the only acceptable like other team other than the nets and to beat the nets in the east but it's either going to be the nets or the like 76ers kind of same Kind of thing like Doc Rivers, he's got something to prove, and that whole team, like they were kind of like the 76ers, they were whole a uh, few of them were injured last year, and it was kind of just like the whole Joel Embiid show. So, I think now that he's got some backup, uh, they're gonna they're playing really, really well. I think they're gonna make it to the finals, and if it's not them, it's got to be the Nets. Like, they're just it's a powerhouse team. How could they not be in the finals right now? 
Yeah, so you have the Jazz versus the 76ers in the NBA Finals. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. I like how you say about the Jazz. I mean, they're on fire right now. They're first in their conference. Well-deserved to them. They've been playing on fire. They just need to learn how to beat the sub-500 teams. I mean, they keep losing the teams that are below 500. Like, they lost to the Pelicans. I think they lost to the Hornets at some point. Like, they need to beat these not lackluster teams but the teams that are below them and Mm -hmm. every team's below them right now but (laughs) the teams that are like low in the table that don't really they shouldn't have a chance against them but Noah going on to you who do you have in the finals for this year all right this might be a little a little bit tough to swallow here but I think this team really has a lot to prove in the second half of the season compared to what they've shown in previous seasons uh for for the west conference I I would have to say the Suns I'm gonna be honest. I, I really like, yeah, I really like the way the Suns are looking right now. Second place in that division. Uh, I think that they're showing a lot of good stuff. They've got seven guys averaging over ten points a game, and Devin Booker, of course, at twenty-five a game, carrying that offensive load. And you've got guys like Chris Paul, nine nine assists per game, kind of rounding out that team. And I think all they need for this final push, uh, especially in the second half of the season is, of course, not only the will to go for the for the playoffs and for the finals, possibly, but just one more piece. I feel like they're just missing one more offensive powerhouse, which they're kind of not getting from guys that they would want to see. Maybe in DeAndre Ayton. I mean, he's, he's averaging a double-double, but I think you probably want to see him score a few extra points here and there, just as a center, and how much interaction he gets with the ball. But yeah, I think the Suns really really got a good chance to push for, for that finals. Uh, I think if, if they just show, if show everyone else that they really can keep it up in the second half of the season. That has been a huge issue for them. Obviously, we've seen this before. They had a great start in the second half, or first half, second half. They kind of slow down a bit and kind of fall out of the playoffs pretty much. But I think where they're sitting right now, and especially going into this, knowing what they've been through in previous seasons, I think they really got a chip on their shoulder. And I think they're really going to kind of show up and kind of show people what they can do as a team. Yeah, I really like that Suns pick. I mean, they are out for vendetta. I think them being undefeated in the bubble and not making the playoffs last season just lit a fire in them. And getting an addition like Chris Paul, I think that's a very good pick. I mean, they could go running. Like, you never know. If they get that one piece that's another offensive player, they could go running through this playoffs. But you have, So you have the Suns in the West. Who do you have in the Eastern Conference playing against the Suns? Honestly, I, I think I'm going to go with the Bucks here. Um, you know, Yanis, of course, doing Yanis things, averaging, t- averaging 29 points and 12 rebounds. With a, with a decent amount of assists, I believe he's at five or six each game. I mean, he's doing his part, uh, and I think it's just going to come down to the second half of the season as to whether Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are going to kind of start to pick up. Uh, I think they definitely need to carry a lot more of that offensive load. Uh, their whole team, is like like you guys were saying earlier, a very defensive-oriented league so, or conference, so I think if they kind of maybe keep that up as well as maybe get going on that offensive side, I think they're really one of, those only t- one of the only teams that could beat that Nets team. I mean, if, if they start locking him down on defense in a, in a series with them and Yanis, Holiday, and, and Middleton all get going, uh, I think they could really make something special happen. So, Okay, so you, the, you guys, I like how you guys have all different picks, and I'm going to have a different pick too. Um, I'm obviously going to pick – well, I guess it's not that obvious, but I do have the Lakers going back just because Anthony Davis is going to get healthy. Andre Drummond is rumored. I mean, Bradley Beal, I don't know if he's going. There's a lot of rumors going around. They might add another piece. Dennis Schroeder is starting to get going again. I think they have a lot of pieces that are still on this team that can make a run to the finals again. The only team that I see them getting like stuck on is maybe the 
Clippers just based on how they match up together. But we didn't even get to see it last season in the playoffs because the Clippers choked again. But that's nothing new. But I think the Lakers are going to run back to the finals. Just having LeBron James in the playoffs is just a different animal. And having Anthony Davis, if he stays healthy, I think they'll be fine in making another run. But on the Eastern side, this is where I... I Last season, I said the Celtics were going to be there. I thought it was a bit, would have been cool to see the Celtics versus Lakers again, especially after the passing of Kobe Bryant, just having that rivalry kind of spark back up again. I don't think the Celtics are quite there yet, but I, I'm going to take the Nets and the, for the Eastern Conference just because they're adding so many pieces. They have all the firepower in the world. They have all the offense in the world. They just need to find that one guy to play defense. And once they do find that guy... It's a wrap in the East for me. So I do definitely think it's going to be a Lakers-Nets. And LeBron's played with or against all those guys in the playoffs. So I think I think it will be a Lakers-Nets. And I think it will be a really good series to watch. I think there's so much going on in that series, whether it's Kyrie against LeBron or KD against LeBron again. I mean, the narratives are endless. And I think that's what's going to strive LeBron to get to the finals. Whether the Nets can actually make a push and make the finals based on their defensive record, I mean, that's another story. But I do believe that the Nets and the Lakers are going to be in the finals. But I just want to talk about dark horse teams now. I like how you guys both kind of had dark horse teams in the West, um, saying the Utah Jazz and the Suns. Are there any other dark horse teams, kind of like the Nuggets last season, that can make a push this playoffs to make a run? Coop, I'm going to start with you. I honestly think it's if they get that like another offensive weapon, I think it's going to be the Nuggets again. Like right now, I feel like everyone's kind of like looking over them right now just because like they're they're kind of slipping a little bit. But like and we were talking like Bradley Beal on that. I feel like that would be a perfect match uh, with him on that team. I just think they're going to be that dark horse team again. And they like it seems like everyone's got some type of motivation or chip on their shoulder this season. The Nuggets this year, it's like they want to be taken seriously as like the Lakers or the Nets or the 76ers. They don't want to just be that team that like, oh, they up like they upset the Lakers. Like they want to be that contending team. They want to go like, hey, this is going to be a hard fought series. And we don't want to just be that like little underdog anymore. And like even though to me they are right now, but if they get another offensive weapon, it's like it just completely rounds out that whole team. And I think they are very, very good contenders against, like, the Jazz, the Suns, and the Lakers. Yeah, I think that's a good, good, uh, well, I feel like they could be, I feel like they are underdogs again this season. Yeah. I mean, considering what they did last season, they didn't really add anything. They got rid of Jeremy Grant, which was kind of weird. Now he's averaging 25 games on the, or points on the Pistons. But they didn't really add anything to kind of, like, fill in places that they needed to during the offseason. They kind of just, like, let their roster grow and build. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but they should add one more offensive piece. They're they're good all around. They just need that one other guy that can score. I mean, Jokic is playing his mind out. Jamal Murray is... We, we thought he would make a bigger jump this year considering the playoffs he had last season, but he's not really making that quite a jump yet. Maybe we'll see Jamal Murray bounce back in the playoffs again this season. But they do need that offensive piece to kind of round them out and make them a superstar caliber team because they are a good team at the end of the day. They are a good team. They just need a little bit more of a push. And I think adding a player like Bradley Beal would make them go over the hump and make them a playoff contender and maybe even a finals contender. But what about you, Noah? What's a team? 
Yeah, I think I got to throw them out there because I feel like a lot of people just kind of stopped talking about them after that last playoff we playoff games we saw. So, I mean, I'm going to have to go with the Clippers. Uh, I, th I think the Clippers still definitely have a lot of their offensive power. Uh, and, and Paul George, hopefully we don't see any playoff P this next playoffs. But yeah. we've got Paul George and guys like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you can never sleep on a guy like Kawhi. He's going to come in and he's going to perform his butt off in the playoffs. I mean, he he's shown when he shoot when he was playing with that Raptors team, he had a couple of good pieces on there. But Kawhi was doing a lot of the work on that team. I mean, he was just his his field goal percentage from everywhere. I mean, he was just not missing ever. Uh, fantastic on the defensive end, the claw, of course. But, I mean, yeah, the Clippers, just another team that's going to come into the playoffs and really have a good chance to maybe sneak by because I think a lot of people are going to be kind of not showing them the respect that they truly deserve. You know, I think they have they have good pieces that kind of fit into that team still as well. I think they're going to need Lou Williams to be coming off that bench and maybe scoring a little more from him. Uh, Patrick Beverly, of course, absolutely fantastic defensive player. But I think I think they've really got a good chance at, at a good run in the playoffs again. I think it just depends on if they kind of settle in the second half of the season and maybe maybe get get a solid place in, in the conference and kind of go into the playoffs with like with with a good chip on their shoulder you know like a like a good purpose to kind of get in there so I think the Clippers really have a good chance at this one yeah I totally agree with you I mean after last season losing they just didn't seem like they had that drive to get to the NBA finals like everything was going wrong for the Clippers I mean Lou Williams was going out partying while during COVID it just didn't seem like they wanted it enough. And you could tell by the Nuggets, who basically came, they came back from a 3-1 as well. They just wanted it more. And you could tell. And the same thing with the Lakers. The Lakers just wanted it so bad. I mean, they had a purpose, you know. But the Clippers, they have a lot to prove during this playoffs. I mean, they have so much talent with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They built this. They constructed this team perfectly, defensive-wise defensive -wise and offensive-wise, to just be a playoff, like, like a playoff contender and they're not they didn't do it last season so i think they have a lot to prove uh this next off season or well this this playoffs but i'm gonna pick a team that might roll under the radar and i mean there's a couple teams that are kind of under the radar for me nobody's talking about the heat anymore which is kind of interesting to me make like considering they made the finals last year whether that was just a fluke i don't think so they just played really well during the playoffs i mean jimmy butler's starting to get healthy again so watch out for the heat but it's also going to be interesting to see where the Mavericks end up and where the Hornets end up. Like, there's a bunch of teams that could make runs, consider like if they get the right matchups. And we've seen the Hornets play well against better competition usually. And during the playoffs, everybody's at a higher level. So the Hornets might be a team that's kind of sneaky. Um, but I think the Heat in general, I think they're just getting a lot of backlash. Like, they're not getting talked as much because they're playing poorly but I think that he still have a chance to kind of go into the playoffs with a chip on their shoulder considering they made the finals last year so I think the Heat are a good team to go into next playoffs so that's going to wrap up this segment thank you Noah for coming on when we get back we're going to be talking about football so we're going to have a new guest with us as well so stay tuned welcome back to the Double double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. We just got done talking a little bit about basketball. We're gonna go uh, right into football. But with us, we got a new guest, Wes. How are you doing today, Wes? Good about you. I'm doing, doing good. Doing, trying to stay warm. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of a lot of, a lot of snow out there. But yeah. we're just gonna hop right into it. So Dak Prescott, he finally finally signed a new contract with the the Dallas Cowboys. He uh, was on the franchise tag last year, and for my 
knowledge. Like it was, it, it was kind of a little tense with them last season. It wasn't really known if he was like that was going to be his last year, and then he got hurt. So no one really knew. But it looks like they finally came to terms on a deal. It's four years, $160 million. And he like, and he's got one of like one of the highest signing bonuses was 66 million signing bonus and then uh, $95 million guaranteed, which is still one of the highest guaranteed like like salary like I've ever seen like in the NFL, especially with like and, and we'll get right into it and we're gonna talk a little bit about how he is now the second highest paid quarterback right behind. Patrick Mahomes, and I just want to ask you guys real quick: Do you think that like he's worth forty million a year right now? And I'll start with you, Casey. Forty million dollars a year, like that's considered like if you think about players that are making forty million dollars a year in all sports, you have players like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, like like superstar players. And I don't know if Dak Prescott is a superstar quarterback. And that's the thing that I'm trying to get like situated in my brain because I don't realize why they would give him $40 million a year. I mean, he did have a good beginning of the season until he got hurt. But I don't believe he's worth $40 million, especially when we don't know what's going to come back, like who the player is going to come back as, especially coming off an injury like that. So I, I don't know if he's worth $40 million right now, but I'm sure he'll pry, try and prove it. But right now, I don't think he's worth $40 million. Yeah, and yeah, just kind of comparing, yeah, with other like players. When you think of all those guys, it's like those are like the well-known guys in the league. Like you kind of feel bad for them. You think like if they're actually on more of a contending team or something, like they shoot straight to the Super Bowl. And the Cowboys, it always looks like it's so much high potential and low rewards for them. But uh, what about us? I don't think it's even close. He's not worth that much. <laughs> Dak Prescott, don't get me wrong, he's a good quarterback overall, but to be the second highest paid quarterback behind the best quarterback in the game right now, I think Patrick Mahomes, I think that's just crazy. Um, even Jerry, Jerry Jones said it in the press conference right next to Dak, I overpaid him. He tried to say it jokingly, but he knows, I think he knows, Dak knows, like Dak has something to prove this season. He have to even coming off this injury. Even before the injury, I don't think he's worth this much. But after it, I think you just at least franchise tag him again or give him a one to a two-year, 30 mil, 60 mil, and see how he bounces back. And then we can talk big games like – or big contracts like this. Yeah, and you kind of have to put in perspective of, like, other quarterbacks in the league. Like, obviously, when everyone saw the massive, like, 10-year, $500 million contract that Patrick Mahomes signed, everyone was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like, it's like you saw he had just won a Super Bowl. He's still very young, and he's already got an MVP underneath him. But then you see, like, a guy like Tom Brady now, who is, like, much older than Dak, but still he is on $25 million a year, and he just won this, his seventh Super Bowl. And you see, and I kind of want to roll into this little, like, kind of next part of this segment is Tom Brady for years on the Patriots, he took pay cuts just for, like, just for the Pats so they can get more all-star talent on there. And with this, like, the Cowboys now have one of the highest, like, a top five highest paid wide receiver in Amari Cooper, a top five highest paid running back in Ezekiel Elliott, and now the number two, like, highest paid quarterback, Dak Prescott. In my opinion, 
I don't think really any of those guys are going to be top five in their positions. I can, like, you have, like, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, um, Michael Thomas. Like, you have all these guys that are, like, so good. And, like, and that, those are on just, like, notable teams other than, like, then you have, like, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you have, like, you have uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And with the running backs, like, it seems like almost every team has, like, their all-star running back right now. And quarterbacks, like, they're getting, like, more paid than ever. And kind of with this issue, they're paying all these, like, these three position guys all this money for, and they're not really showing it all that much. Do you think this hurts the Cowboys in the long run without kind of spreading the wealth throughout the team? And because they have a lot of issues also on their defense, and it seems like they're maybe putting a little bit too much money on, like, some of their key players right now. Yeah, I, I definitely think this hurts them, especially in the long run, just because they're not going to have enough money to spend on other positions that they truly actually need. So their team's not getting any better, in my opinion. I mean, they might get healthy, and whatever happens next season, they'll just, like, they're still paying everybody the same, like, huge amounts of money, and they're not getting any better. So what's the point of paying these guys massive contracts when they're not making their team better, which is the point, because you want to make it to a Super Bowl. Like, it just doesn't make sense in my brain. Maybe they thought that these they're paying on potential and not on actual talent. I mean, these guys are still, like, good players, but they're not top five in their position. Like, none of them are. So it just doesn't really make sense why they're spending all this money on three positions when they could spread it around their team and make their team overall better. So it just doesn't make sense to me in the long run. Yeah, and kind of going like back with like Tom Brady on the Bucks, like, and then you saw a bunch of people like they're signing everyone to one year deals. Like most of their team that just won the Super Bowl, they're all up for free agency and everything. Like it is kind of crazy. Like, like you've seen these teams forever, and I I saw like, like yeah, and I keep going back to Brady just because I'm a Patriots fan and everything. But like their defense has always been like one of the top five, top 10 defenses in the league. And it's because he always took pay cuts. He knew he's like, hey, like uh, like this money is like more than enough right now. But like, I'm not going at this for money. I'm going for fame, going for recognition. And I'm going for Super Bowls right now. But yeah, like I, I just think it's he's being they're being paid in a, like a way too much just for like the best season. They went 13 and three and lost in the first round. And when you do that and then you don't see the playoffs for years after that and you hadn't seen a playoff for years before that, it's you kind of have to reevaluate like, okay, maybe we're just giving a little bit too much right now to just some of these key players who Dak Prescott, he's not on like the D line. He's not covering wide receivers. He's he's just a quarterback. And we've seen other lower paid quarterbacks like win and go to the playoffs a lot more than the Cowboys have. What about you, Wes? It's, it's crazy because I feel like once they pay these guys, let's just take Amari Cooper and Zeke, for instance, they pay them and then that season after they got paid, that that they were not that guy anymore. Like we can, we can make the argument that season Zeke was sitting out of training camp. He wanted to get paid. That season before that, he was arguably top three, top five running back in the league. He gets paid. He can't hold on to the ball. He's not the old Zeke. This past year, you pay Amari Cooper. Now he's getting hurt. Now he's not the old Amari Cooper. He was arguably top.
top, at least top seven raw receiver in the league. Probably not top five, but now we're going to see how Dak takes it. And that's one thing you have to think. You can't be selfish because I, I, I believe you have a Super Bowl offense. You have a decent enough O-line. You have two good running backs and Zeke and Tony Pollard. You have a good enough quarterback, and you probably have the the best trio of raw receivers in Gallup, Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb, in my opinion. You just, you have to get that defense right. And Dak and Jerry Jones have should have come to agreement to where I know you want to get paid, but do you want to win as much as you want to get paid? Yeah, and kind of going with that, like right, like right before this, like this signing and everything, like they're signing him to four years, and he got injured, which it's like it's not his fault, and he was putting up like really good numbers, and like he put up more pass yards in his limited time that he played than Cam Newton did his entire season on the Patriots, which is sad to talk about and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's really sad, but we're moving from it. Yeah, but like. <laughs> You have to see, like, okay, now it's time to back it up. Now it's time to, like, see, like, okay, Pat, like, Patrick Mahomes, okay, he, he, even with, like, even without an O-line, like, against some defenses, he can extend plays and he can kind of make it work. And everyone goes, like, oh, he puts the team on his back. And, like, right before Patrick Mahomes came, like, they they were making playoffs, but they weren't going, like, deep into them or anything. As soon as Patrick Mahomes got there, it all changed. With Dak, he plays very good in his division. And now his division is the NFC East and the rest of the league. He doesn't play all that great. But you have to see, like, okay, like, in order for you to see this, like, like, like to see this more, like, like extensions in the future, you got to back it up. And that's kind of what, like, I'm thinking about, like, he, like, he just got one of the most highest, like, guaranteed, like, money in the league. Does he do that, like, for a reason where he's like, all right, just in case, like maybe I don't perform to the best of my ability and they trade me, at least I got something out of it. Like, and I don't, yeah, it's, it's weird. I just coming off an injury, you, you performed well. I just don't understand their process of we're going to pay our quarterback that $40 million a year and not improve anything else. Like, are they going to do anything else? We don't know yet. Obviously the season hasn't already did, but I don't see them making that like too many more moves other than that. And if that if that makes sense. Like yeah. they're they're on they're like you said, their offense is fine. But they they need they have key points where they need to work on and they're just not doing it. And you kinda have to question the ownership and every the GM, like what what is your purpose on paying your quarterback this much when you're not getting any better? It just doesn't make sense to me. And it seems that an odd time too, and we'll talk about it with like the next segment, but like after the COVID hit and there wasn't a lot of games with a lot of fans there, the salary cap did not go up, like, or it barely went up and it plateaued. And it seems weird that you signed this massive deal that, like, rivals also, like, Patrick Mahomes' deal. Like, it's just weird that you wouldn't maybe worry about, like, because now if you, like, you can't really get any more because you're spending so much money on these just, like, on certain players versus, like, hey, let's spend – Let's spend like a lot of this money just on the D line right here, or like maybe get some better cornerbacks and uh, like on on the defense as well. It's just it seems kind of bizarre to me just to sign all like sign this huge massive contract after a season where he didn't even play like all season because of his injury, and after COVID hit where everyone knows that their players are being released left and right just to make space, just to just to like 
make sure they're not over the cap, not even try to get more players on the team, but just kind of make room so they're not over the cap again. Uh, like if if the salary cap had went up, but that's going to wrap up this first segment. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some players being released because of total salary cap hit. Um, so stick, uh, come back right after this break. Welcome back to the Double Double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. We just got done talking about the Dak Prescott deal, and we're just going to talk. We're going to go straight into talking about some players that, and a lot of players that have been released because the salary cap uh, before COVID hit was projected to just keep going up and everything, but it kind of plateaued. It only went up like $5 million. And as a result of that, we've seen a few cap casualties, casualties this week. Um, and I, I've seen a bunch of people calling it Massacre Week. And just a few like notable people like, you have Emmanuel Sanders on the Saints being released. Uh, you have the two starting O-linemen for the Chiefs. One of them, Eric Fisher, who is the number one overall pick uh, in the draft, I believe, in 2013. And then you have a bunch of players not being franchise tagged, like running back Aaron Jones for the Packers, uh, tight end Hunter Henry for the Chargers. And I just want to get your guys' opinion. I feel like we're, like uh, I, I think Eric Fisher was like the first well-known name to be released now it's like oh wow like he's he's actually still playing really good he got hurt in the afc championship game but he was still like he was the number one overall pick and he was still playing like it who do you guys think is another big name that's about to get released that is going to be like oh wow like this is like this is like a big cap casualty right here i'm going to start with you casey right now i don't really know of any like top tier players that are they're willing to cut like that just because teams are kind of set where they're at right now but i'm just gonna go off on the saints right now just because <laughs> the saints need to figure it out they're getting rid of guys like saunders like you said which is a start but they're so deep in in the cap that they need to figure some more things out i don't know what they're gonna do to pull it off i mean they're gonna start having to do trades like cut people they're not going to have a team by the end of it. But it just doesn't make sense what they're trying to do at this point in time. Like, they don't have any, like, I don't even know what I'm, like, what how to say it, but, like, they don't have any progression, what they're trying to do. Like, they don't got go, a game plan right Yeah, they now don't got a game future. plan. Yeah, they don't have any game plan for the future. They're just like, we're going to toss money here, 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 here. And they're not thinking about what's going to happen in the future because of it. And it's starting to hit them now. And so they're going to have to make some moves that they probably won't like what they're going to have to do. And it all like I'm a Saints fan, and it hurts me to say that we have no direction. Like, we're a good team, but we still have no direction moving forward. And if they don't figure it out soon, they're going to be in a boatload of trouble. Yeah, and this is the worst time for them to be in this whole, like, this just bad, like, uh cap hit with everything and with like drew Brees and like the quarterback situation we don't even know what's happening yeah, right don't get now. Me started on that <laughs> <laughs> like it just and at this time it's like you need a game plan and everything right now um yeah the saints i think it is agreed that like the saints like i don't i don't know what they're gonna do they're just gonna have to trade everyone away they they <laughs> they gotta almost like rebuild that at some point which is sad because they like until the uh, t- until the playoffs, they beat the champion, the Buccaneers, twice. 
in the two league. Two times. Two times. <laughs> and, and they still gave him a run for their money, like, in the playoffs as yeah, well. It, I, it wasn't like it was a blowout. And they played very well. And I thought, personally, that maybe if they had, like, maybe, like, a fresher quarterback and who can get those deep balls a little bit better than Drew Brees can right now, that they were, like, on their way. But everyone kind of saw it coming, like, with the Saints, that it just – they were just going to be the first of many. And we've seen now, like, the Chiefs. Like, they released their two starting uh, O-linemen, which everyone would say that was the one reason that they lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, the, like, it was the one reason. Yeah, like, literally, like, Patrick Mahomes never had a time. And, like, and like I was saying on the – the past segment, he can extend plays a lot, but he can only extend them to a certain degree. He can't yeah. just run the entire play himself. So I, I saw the I saw those guys released today. And I was like, this is this is getting bad right now. So what about you, Wes? I don't think it's so much a cut. I think it's more of a mutual agreement that might part ways. I got to go with Juju Smithers. I feel like that's. Right there, I'm like, I, like anything I've read on that, there has not been anything close to he has made up his mind he's not leaving Pittsburgh. Like, even how good he is with the fans, how much he's been playing there, I've been seeing a lot to where he's out. Or it could be fake, it could be this or that, but these are notable resources. But I think Juju Smith-Suster for sure, that I don't think, if they're smart, I think they'll um, franchise tag them, but I feel like to a certain degree, the Steelers are their ego boosted in the front office. I feel like they'll let their ego get the best of them and they don't sign this good receiver. Yeah, he hasn't been the receiver he was when A B was there or his rookie year, but he's a good receiver to keep. I think they let the ego get above them and he goes I think probably to Chicago or Miami if I had to say. Yeah. And he's a perfect example of someone who like is due to go into free agency and yeah I think the Steelers I think they're I don't think one of the main I don't think their main reason was like him dancing on the logos or his like TikTok <laughs> thing but it, it's his attitude has to play into it he's young he I don't think he's going to be ring chasing with these teams like the Buccaneers or the Bills or anything but I think he's young enough he's going to go and and he knows the Steelers aren't going to pay him like what he wants right now because he he didn't back it up this season and I think he, I think he would be a very good fit, like, like to me, like on like the Jacksonville Jaguars with like that Please. whole team, like, <laughs> but like they they got a lot of uh they have a, like a huge salary r- right now uh to spend, and they got a few draft picks. It's kind of well known at this point they're gonna get Trevor Lawrence. Why not grab like kind of a veteran wide receiver and coach some of the other guys? Maybe he can be more of like a slot receiver, not like that main guy to go to because maybe that was his problem was just on the Steelers. Maybe they, they were putting too much pressure. Like he he was – everyone kind of knew that he played well with A.B., but he wasn't going to be like Antonio Brown. He wasn't going to be the next one to step in like into that role. So I think he's going to play more of a support role, more of a mentor role on like a team that really isn't maybe primed for a championship right now, but it's kind of in a rebuild and – has the money to go out and get him. But one of the notable guys, I think, like, ah, man, like, I, it, it just, right now, I think the, he hasn't been franchise tagged, and I don't think he's going back, is uh, Aaron Jones. I don't think 
the Packers are going to go uh, back with him, which is sad, but it I don't think it's a bad part on the Packers because they have um, a pretty deep running back class, and we saw A.J. Dillon like, kind of take up that role after like he uh, kind of got hurt uh, in the NFC Championship game, and he he – we kind of saw that like he can be that main like running back one like he can be the guy that you look on and he's a very like powerful runner um but i i just think there's like and we're seeing most of these players aside from a few that they're younger players they're not like veteran players like uh like let's say like gronk for instance on the buccaneers i think he's gonna re-sign with the buccaneers maybe for a one another one-year deal or a two-year deal but I don't think he's ever going to leave Brady. Like he basically retired because they were like the Patriots are going to trade him to the Lions, and he didn't want to play for anyone else. But he, I feel like he's already been retired once. He's going to sign another short deal, and maybe if they win another one, or maybe after two years, like he'll finally like like fully retire and not come back. But it's just it's just these younger guys. I think that the teams don't have a problem with like releasing just because. They know, like maybe they're not well established yet, and they'll make that jump onto another team. But kind of going with that, do you think with this whole salary cap like kind of taking a hit, do you think that not just a smart move, but do you think it's going to be a popular move to see like some veteran players go like, hey, like just in case like this thing doesn't jump back up, maybe I got to renegotiate for like a smaller deal or do I take a chance on myself, bet on myself, and go into free agency, and maybe someone will actually like pay me what I want right now? I think it would be a good idea for people that want to stay on their team and think they're contending teams to renegotiate their contracts. I think there would be no problem with that. But it's for the people that, especially the young guys, where they believe they're always owed more money than they actually are. So I think it's the more of the younger guys where it's like, okay, I'm going to test my free agency value and they don't get as much as they think and then they're free agents for a while until they finally sign a deal that's way less than they thought they were going to get and maybe even less than they were going to get originally. So I think it's more like the veterans will more likely be able to renegotiate, but the younger guys that are getting cut, well, not like released, are more likely not going to renegotiate. They're just going to like hold it out and see how much money they can get because usually when younger players get in the league, they're always greedy. So <laughs> I think that's my opinion on that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and kind of going with that, I think these veteran guys, like if, let's say like like a team, like let's say let, let's say the Saints for instance, okay, they were they were just in the running and everything uh, for like a Super Bowl and they went into the playoffs, but let's let's say Michael Thomas for one reason, maybe maybe he sees the road they're going down, or maybe doesn't because they have no plan they right don't. now. So, they, so he probably doesn't even know. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little dif- dysfunctional with how like things are gonna work in the next few seasons and everything. Maybe he goes, hey, like, like I, I I'm not gonna get. No one can really afford what I want right now. Maybe maybe I go jump over to like another team. Maybe like just to throw a team out there. Maybe he goes to, like the Cardinals right now. He just sees DeAndre Hopkins there. He's saw J.J. Watt and Kyler Murray. He's going to his third year. Why not go to now like a contending team where you know you're going to probably win in the next season or two or maybe three if you're in it for kind of a longer run. But I think, yeah, these veteran guys, unless they're unless you saw that team like in the playoffs this year and they aren't 
severely just making a bunch of cap casualties. I think they're going to probably be released and not decide to renegotiate with their team. However, I think they will take a pay cut to go somewhere else that is a contending team because I think I think what the Buccaneers did, I think they're I think the Packers might do it. Um I think the Bills will do it and Arizona even though they've been signing bigger deals, I wouldn't be surprised if they got some notable guys on some small one-year deals to come over there and just like do what the Buccaneers did. Um, what about you, Wes? I have to agree. I mean, no matter if you're a veteran or you're a young guy, you have to look at the bigger picture. Like young guys, if you really want to win now, go win now. I mean, eventually you're going to get paid. If you go, if you go over there and play good, you get you a ring or two or try to, and then you go out and you go get your big deal. It's like at this point, let's go win. Like money is not everything. You save your money right. You manage your money right. You're going to have money left over when you're done. But let's save the big contracts for when I'm older and when I know I'm about to start hitting the stride for my prime and then going downhill. Let's hit it then. But right now, let's take some pay cuts. Let's go get some guys that's going to help us contend for a championship. Yeah, and I, I think you're really just going to see some guys' true natures come out just like, hey, like maybe, maybe they maybe they aren't sure of them of themselves. They're like, do I have five more years in me or do I should I just go, you know what? Like, I don't got that much time left, like, in my body. I got to go somewhere that's ready to win now, and that will take me for cheap right now. So, but with that being said, we're going to wrap up this segment. Thank you, Wes, for joining us on this. Um, on the next segment, it's just going to be me and Casey talking a little bit about athletes and uh, a little bit outside of their sports. Yeah, some social media stuff. So, <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah. Welcome back to the Double Double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. We just got doc- Done talking about some football stuff, what's going on with free agency and people getting cut all the time. Like, what's going on in the NFL right now? We have no idea. Dak Prescott's getting $40 million a year. Crazy times, man. It is crazy right now. So, anyways, we're going to – our next subject that we want to talk about for the next 15 minutes is kind of an interesting one just because nobody really talks about it as much. It's kind of like what the segment we did on eSports. We kind of like to branch out and do kind of different things. So, we're going to be talking about athletes – and what they're doing on social media. And I mean like Twitch and uh, TikTok and <laughs> Instagram. Like all these, there's a lot of players that are starting to branch out and do gaming and TikTok for whether they like to or they're making extra money off it. And I kind of want to go into this as like what I want to begin with is do you think this is good? for athletes to start getting out of their like comfort zone because we're usually known for athletes kind of sticking to themselves like doing their thing playing their sport do you think this is good for the athletes i honestly think it is i think it brings in like a younger audience i kind of play off of it with uh like the nfl having one of the playoff games be on nickelodeon where they just want they kind of want to get kids into it a little bit more they're explaining the rules and like every everything now is just streaming video games or you're on TikTok or everyone's on Instagram and Twitter. So like everyone's floating around on there. So I think the more people get like associated with a player, the more they can kind of grasp like to him. And they're like, hey, I like I kind of relate to this player a little bit. He's not this like high almighty like Hall of Famer that like only three people have ever talked to or something like it's just I think it creates I think it takes out that barrier of celebrity and just like kind of just regular person and brings them in like they can interact with them a little bit um, like on their streams or on their like TikTok streams or Instagram stories. Like I think it just creates a bigger bond 
with players and fans. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's not necessarily a bad thing unless you overuse your power to like influence people. But I mean, which is definitely a thing because you have so much power as a professional athlete. You're basically a celebrity, even though you never asked to be a celebrity. When you become a professional athlete, it's kind of just given to you. Mm -hmm. But if you overuse that power, I think that's where it kind of crosses the line. But for the most part, nobody really does that as professional athletes. I mean, they can get in so much trouble um, being on like doing bad things on streaming or TikTok or just talking bad about something. But I think necessarily it's not a bad thing. I think it's cool that like someone like Juju Smith is a TikTok celebrity. Like that's <laughs> it's crazy to me that he does like all these dances on the football field, but he also does it on TikTok. Like it's mm -hmm. it's like you can you can comment on his stuff and it's kind of like having Twitter or Instagram. And you see like a soccer player Alfonso Davies, he does like all these challenges on TikTok where you can interact with him and he can go live on TikTok and talk with people. I mean, it, it could bring a different aspect to sports and more like reality of how we see professional athletes in general because it almost seems like they're on a higher pedigree than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And they don't mean to be like that, but it's just kind of given that they're always on this higher pedigree that we can't really talk to them if we see them in public. We all want their autograph. We get like shy around them. But if you talk to them on like stream or something like that, they're totally laid back, chill, like they're doing it because they want to talk to their fans, you know? So I think it could be good for them. But the next thing I kind of want to talk about is, do you think this could impact how people look at athletes in general? I think it does greatly. Like, <laughs> I, I think a lot of you really had, when I said take out that barrier, like, it, it does. Like, it, you can interact with these, like you said, like, celebrities, like, all the time now. But, like, let's say, like, for instance, with Juju, like, a bunch of people only know him on TikTok, and then a bunch of people only known for football and then like he kind of blended the two and he had some uh questionable things when he's just dancing on uh, other teams logos yeah <laughs> and like it was just kind of setting people a little uncomfortable and i don't think that helped them all that much and especially like with the steelers like they've always kind of been that like blue collar like mm -hmm. like working team like it's like it, the steelers based off of just like the steel industry and stuff and I feel like the steel industry isn't all that associated with the TikTok community. <laughs> TikTok dancing, boy. Yeah. Like, it just seems like it's this kind of newer generation, like, player kind of meshing. Like, because, like, the NFL, like, you have all these guys that are super, super young. But then you got, like, 43-year-olds with, like, Tom Brady, who <laughs> yeah. on Twitter, it's like, he's like a... He's like a unicorn on Twitter. Like he just makes these like random posts, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, just random. Yeah. Yeah, and and his Twitter is like very funny and everything. But like he doesn't have that same connect with fans as like Juju has, and it's like kind of the same thing with the other Steelers uh, receiver Chase Claypool. Like he mm -hmm. he does a bunch of streams, and going with that also Kyler Murray, and he said somewhere before that if it if he didn't play football and he didn't play baseball, he would a hundred percent be like an esports gamer. And I just think it's I think it's funny because you're you're taking something like like let's say gaming or streaming and stuff and you're just bringing it down to a level where like you could have a like if you comment on a celebrity's TikTok or Instagram post, you have the potential of them like replying to you. And it's like yeah. your it's like the you see all these fans like like in tears, like meeting like Giannis or LeBron, like, like these NBA games. And that's what it is just on social media now. Like, and a lot of these players, they don't have 
like a social media team. Like it's not a whole team running Juju's TikTok. Like mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. it's it's just him doing it and everything. And now like with that comes like all right, should there be like maybe another person be like maybe you shouldn't post that man. It's because yeah. they <laughs> yeah. maybe they don't realize the reach that they have, and maybe that's why like. Tom Brady, he only tweets, like, once in a while. It's because, like, he goes, I have so many people that follow me and so many people that, like, look up to me and everything. Like, I need to watch what I say and make sure it doesn't come off, like, a wrong way and stuff. And with Juju, he's just uh, – it's even more because he's influencing a whole, like, new young generation that maybe is not even, like, affiliated, like, with football. Yeah, I definitely agree that it definitely has its perks for sure. Like, being able to interact with – uh younger generations but i feel like younger generations don't really understand what he does most of the time and Mm -hmm. that's where it can be concerning like he could be doing something that only like adults understand you know what i mean yeah but he also has kids that are like seven eight years old that are following (laughs) him so it's like you kind of have to like balance your posts and make sure that you're posting things that are kind of appropriate and like sometimes as adults we just post whatever we want you know and it happens but the next thing i kind of want to talk about is we talked about a little bit of being this new generation of athletes Mm -hmm. i mean they're so much younger there's so much social media there's kid like players coming in that were the covid generation where they got drafted during covid and they all they did was social media yeah before like you have like a lamello ball that has seven million fan or instagram followers and juju smith who does tiktok and kyler murray and all this younger generation people that are branching out and doing more social media and then kind of seeing it evolve and then being a professional sport like athlete as well and we i want to kind of like compare because you kind of compared it to like tom brady and how he is the older generation Mm -hmm. because usually when we talk about the older generation athletes they don't they have like a twitter and stuff like they have an instagram but it's usually ran by somebody else it's usually not them posting but nowadays like newer generation athletes are kind of taking over the whole i'm an athlete but i also have a voice i also want to talk about certain subjects blah 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 and i think that's important to talk about because i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that they're talking about these things i think it's a good thing unless they because they know their outreach especially with all the stuff that happened during covid time they have this outreach that's amazing so i kind of want to talk about the generation of the new and the old and the differences between them what is your perspective on the new versus old like i think it's i think it really is just all like social media technology based because like the thing is like Flip phone, flip phones were like the new thing when Tom Brady like just came yeah. into the league. There was no iPhone. Yeah, there's no iPhone. No social no... media. It's yeah, not for like Facebook, but you had to have a computer. To yeah, and like MySpace and yeah. stuff. MySpace. Like... Oh my gosh. <laughs> but Throwback. but yeah, you just have these players that were like their whole like the only part of their profession was what's televised and like them playing or like press conferences that are on like ESPN maybe like that was about it. But now you have people like kind of still going back with Tom Brady, you saw, like, that video of him coming off, like, the boat parade, all (laughs) drunk off that avocado tequila and everything. (laughs) Like, you, you, they're they're under, like, a microscope all the time. And it's the same with any celebrity, really. And I feel like maybe this new generation is kind of playing with it a little bit more. They're kind of seeing, like, this other side of, like, hey, I have, like, my football life. I have this job. I also have this other job of, like, 
broadcasting to millions of like younger people and it's like with football it seems like it is like the demographic is kind of older like it, most people are like like in their later 20s or 30s like and stuff like that you don't really see a lot of like high schoolers watching a ton of football or kind of getting into football. it yeah unless you play football yeah. and stuff and even at that point it's like you that was like just a childhood thing that was brought up to you like by like maybe a parent that was in it so these younger players they're they've grown up in the social media age these some of these players in the league like Lamar Jackson like he's only a few years older than me yeah anything like it's it's incredible think about like Patrick Mahomes he's what like 25 26 and like he just won uh, he won a Super Bowl like like two years ago like that's incredible like I'm not winning a Super Bowl like no, the next yeah, few exactly. years. No it's way. just crazy to think about. So I think these players, they're just, they're bringing in like a younger audience of like kids and uh, younger teens and stuff who maybe don't know football. And they're having him know him as just Juju Smith-Schuster versus like number 19 on the Steelers. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Like you said, like I have, I'm a fan of LaMelo Ball. And he's younger than I am. And it was yeah. weird because when I was growing up, it's cool to see players that are close to age in me. Mm-hmm. And now I see a bunch of players that are close to age to me. And I'm like, this is weird now. Like, yeah. I'm getting to an age where there's players in the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, like soccer that are younger than me. And mm-hmm. it's it's starting to get weird. Like, oh, man, like, that could have been me. But, <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, that could have been me if I tried harder or maybe I could have played against him or the thought of just like, maybe I I took some stuff for granted. And it's cool that I still have a connection to younger athletes. And I, I always love watching rookies in any sport play because they're the new upcoming thing. They're usually the youngest people on their team, but they're also amazing players. Yeah. They have so much energy. So I think it's not necessarily a bad thing that like they're getting into a social media era of, like sports, I just think if they take the right responsibility with it, then they'll be fine. They yeah. just have to make sure that they take the right approach when it comes to social media. Make sure that because there are impressionable people on the internet, mm-hmm. of course. So they just have to make sure that they don't post anything like crazy yeah. and they'll be fine. But overall, I think social media is an incredible tool to get to know your fans. I think it's an incredible tool to give you like an inside perspective of their life outside of their sport. So I think it's a really cool, interesting thing. But that's going to wrap up this little segment on social media sports athletes. <laughs> but when we get back, we're going to be talking – well, Cooper is going to be talking yeah. about his real-life examples, so stay tuned. Welcome back to the Double Double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. We just got done talking about social media and players on social media and kind of their life outside of their sport. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but it's cool at some points. You know, it's cool. Yeah, but uh, what we like to do for the last 15 minutes of the double-double is we like to do a real-life example for really anyone who's not maybe into sports all that much, and we try to relate it to something that is like an everyday example. And we switch off every week, and this week it's my turn. Yeah, so I get to sit back, (laughs) relax, and listen to Coop talk. My favorite. All righty. So we talked about it uh, quite a bit for the past few weeks, and it's the term ring chasing. And it's just all these players, and we've seen with, like, the Buccaneers, you see all these, like, notable players on 
uh, in the NFL. They're just going over for short little deals over to a team just so they can maybe get a powerhouse going and they win something really quick versus maybe drafting all this all-star talent and waiting a few years for it to develop, and then they finally maybe get a chance to do it. And it seems like it's a lot more like these super teams are forming nowadays. And kind of with this, uh, and one, one of the players I'm kind of go like back and forth with this is J.J. Watt, where we just saw him sign with the Cardinals. And everyone's like, oh, he's going to go to a contending team. And in my opinion, he did. Like, I think that team is primed and ready to go to the playoffs, maybe make a Super Bowl appearance here in the next year or so. But I kind of want to relate that to maybe like people like kind of with like COVID and stuff and like people maybe losing a job or leaving a job. Like, let, let's say like someone works like at retail at like a Hollister or something. And they work right here in snowy Flagstaff right now. And they kind of see the options. They, they they get minimum wage. They get these clothes and stuff. Like, it's kind of a simple laid-back job or something like that. But maybe they, maybe they aren't really happy with where they are right now. And they're in their 20s or maybe they're in college and they're just trying to get through it. And they just they, they want to find out, like, what they want to do. Do they – what do they want to do in life or um, – like, do they uh, just want to get a bunch of money so they retire early? So you're kind of thrown up with, like, a choice. So, like, a lot of people after college, um, we kind of decide, like, what are we going to do after this? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to live? What are we going to do? And one of the factors that comes into play is our occupation and our location. And, for like, for me, uh, for instance, like, I'm a film major, so I would like to go to, like, California and everything. <laughs> and I've just, I've gone on vacation there my whole life and I just love the beach. And I know it's expensive to live there. Mm -hmm. I know traffic is a pain. Mm -hmm. um, and I know like maybe the pay, like it barely makes your rent for like a small little cubicle of a place yes. and everything. <laughs> but maybe, and maybe that's someone's dream. Maybe that's someone like, like me where like, I, I, I don't care if I live in a two by two little thing, but as long as I'm like, by the beach or something but maybe someone goes hey like i want to live comfortably like, i don't really care where i live i want to live comfortably so like maybe let's say for instance they go to like and, I, and it's not like a bad place like uh, let's say they go to like ohio ohio really isn't as like let's say like as flashy as california they don't have like the big beaches and stuff it's not there's no hollywood there uh, a lot of stars like a lot of celebrities like live in la not that many live in ohio but let's say you get like a like a really good job there like as an engineer or something and you make a lot of money and you're just kind of sa saving up for the future and then like you retire way earlier than like someone who moves to california and like you know what this is like my retirement like i'm gonna i don't care like what i work like work here and everything i'm living in the place i want to live for the rest of my life and that kind of goes into play with a lot of players who leave their teams and finally decide what they want to do and we kind of see this with younger players and older players, but for the most part, we see them either do one or two things. They either go to a team that's rebuilding, so they're not really primed for like a playoff appearance or let alone a Super Bowl appearance, And but they have a lot of money. They have a lot of money to take some players in, and you bet on yourself, and they pay you a, a lot of money. But 
the chances of you going to a Super Bowl are much lower if, let's say, you go to a super team like the Buccaneers or the Chiefs or the Bills. And with that comes an, uh, comes a sacrifice of, okay, in order for them to take me onto that team, I got to get paid a lot less because they they don't have a lot of money because they are a super team. They're a super team because they have all this all-star talent and they need to pay all those players, a lot of them younger, maybe like than that player who's trying to go over there. But he goes, you know what? Instead of trying to go for, I don't know, like $20 million a year or something, I'll go for 10 or I'll go for five. But that team was just in the playoffs. So, like, let's say J.J. Watt, uh, let's pick two teams. We'll just pick, like, the Bills versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars, they won one game last season. <laughs> and But with that, they have the number one pick. They don't have really any star players on that team. But they are the number one team who have the most money going into the 2021 season. So let's say J.J. Watt wanted to go on there. I'm sure they would be more than happy to take him. And they would have paid him a great deal of money. Yeah. However, with that comes like, okay, no one on this team is like really at an all-star level. And this team that was just in the AFC Championship uh, just a few years ago, almost every single person on the team is gone. They've been traded, cut, retired, whatever. But instead, let's say he goes to the Buffalo Bills. It's a little, it's up north. It's a lot colder. They play in the snow a lot more. It's not as nice as Jacksonville, Florida, and everything. But instead of getting paid like thirty million there, or like, or like for his instance, like fifteen million. Let's say he takes pay cut to go five million. But you have an all-star quarterback with, like, Josh Allen. You have an all-star wide receiver in Stephon Diggs, and you have an up-and-comer, in my opinion, with uh, wide receiver Cole Beasley. And really that only, really the only problem with that team was their defense was lacking a pass rusher, which J.J. Watt is. And they were just in the AFC Championship game against the – they were the defending champ, uh, Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. And as we saw in the Super Bowl, a pass rusher is very, very needed, especially when their entire like offensive line is out. And this kind of goes back to someone who just wants to move. They want to move out because, like, hey, like I, I'm, I'm 22. Uh, I have my engineering degree. Um, I just want to make a bunch of money, even though like maybe I'm not all that happy with like doing math for like a long period of time. And like, I'm living in Ohio, which I could live like maybe in a big house or something, but I'll maybe won't see, maybe I'll see the beach like once a year or I'll see the big city like New York once a year, but at least I'll maybe retire early. I'll get a lot of money and it's all good versus someone who wants that short gratification of going to California. They see the beach, they live on the beach, but with that short gratification comes a very maybe lesser living like, not living in a big house, living in a small one bedroom apartment with your toilet and your sink right next to your bed, yeah. all next to your, like all in your kitchen and everything. Like it's just, but for that, you take that short gratification versus the longer time period of like, Hey, one day, like I'm going to have a lot of money and I'll be able to pick where I want to go, but I'm going to be like 60 or something going to the beach or New York, but I'll have a lot of money. So I kind of just wanted to do that because I feel like a lot of people 
don't really understand the point of ring chasing for a lot of teams and why these super teams like are built uh, for championships and everything. Yeah, and you see that right now in the NBA too with the Nets. And yeah, then you see it all the time. Like, I want to win now. I don't care about the money, and that's totally fine. We've seen it like when LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh got on the Heat. They all took kind of pay cuts so they could all play together mm-hmm. and win championships. And sometimes you have to think about what's best for me. And sometimes what's best for you is winning a championship. Sometimes what's best for you is making a bunch of money. And for in a sports like you know sense yeah and it's the same thing like i grew up in california and you saying you want to go to california i'm like really you know <laughs> but like i understand your dream and yeah i understand what you're trying to achieve and like everybody's dream is different of course and like me being in california all the time my dream is definitely going to be different than you who didn't grow up in california yeah you know so i mean it's it's a good thing that we talk about this kind of stuff you know we we're always I feel like we're always kind of ring chasing at some points in our lives. Yeah. And sometimes we just want to make the best opportunities for ourselves, whether that's ring chasing or making the most money, like in a sports sense, of course, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we have to decide that. And there comes a time in our lives where we're like money or venue, Yeah. (laughs) like money or venue. And sometimes like you can go to Texas and buy, a house for like three hundred thousand dollars that's like a mansion <laughs> and you have like a bunch of acres of land yeah. and everything and then you go to california with three hundred thousand dollars and you get like a little shack yeah you know <laughs> it's like you have to you have to weigh your risk and rewards on, and you have to bet on yourself and what you're trying to achieve so i think that's a really good real life example really good job yeah and kind of going back with that like let's say you go to california probably you maybe move in with like five other guys yep. and so and then like the whole like the all like the apart like the apartment money or the house money isn't all on you, mm-hmm. um, and same way with going to uh, a big super team. the The pressure isn't all on you to make it. You're there as a team. But let's say you go to like a non super team, let's team with no stars. It's a little bit like okay, hopefully you perform pretty well because like we're kind of depending on you. We like got yeah. you a lot of money, but like you're kind of like our only dude with like the most money right now. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, we're going to wrap up the double-double. Um, that was a pretty good show. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty good, you know. <laughs> Keep, Yeah, it's 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 cold out there, though. Yeah, I'm, yeah be careful on those roads. Snow, I know. Oh, man, I can't wait to go in the snow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> good I, thing I brought my snow boots. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to wrap up. Uh, make sure to tune in uh, next week, same time, 6 p.m. And, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap up uh, this double-double um, March 11th. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week, guys.